So today we're going to actually conclude the chapters reading and commentary directly on chapters of No Solar, Our Home, from the the book from the book as basis for the movie Astral City, and um, we're going to hit chapters seven through fifty, um, which Brent will do in three parts: forty-seven, forty-eight, and then forty-nine, and then fifty. And um, we'll see the wrap-up of um, this book, um, this accounting, through Francisco Xavier of his guide and friend, uh, Dr. Luis's experience in Astral City, this phase, this first phase of his experience. Uh, maybe other books um, detailed further experiences, I believe, of Dr. Luis. Uh, and surely he had more time there. And so this was um, the first phase of his after-life or after-death, you know, his after-death, after-life. Um, and uh, then in the next few weeks we're going to do some commentaries on the major topics uh, and reflections on the book as a whole. So Brent, uh, off to you. Okay, thank you, Scott. Yes, indeed. And yeah, um, so let's see. We're picking up where we left off last time. In chapter 46, Andre found out that his mother was preparing to return um, to the physical life and reincarnation to help out um, his father. Um, and now, uh, in this chapter, Laura's return, chapter 47, he, he's, uh, he takes a side trip and, well, not necessarily a side trip, but a different perspective is what I'm trying to say, where um, he um, discusses uh, Laura's return. Um, as, as we found out a few chapters earlier, Laura, Lysis's mother, uh, had been planning a return to uh, the Earth reincarnation for quite a while, and now it's her time. So here we go, page 210, for those that are following along. My mother was not the only one preparing to return to the physical sphere. Laura also found herself confronted with this commitment. I learned that many workers in the colony, especially those in the ministries of assistance and regeneration, were planning a farewell party, which was to be held on the evening when the accounting department presented her with her complete service card. It's impossible to express in ordinary words the spiritual significance of that little party. Many families had come to salute their friend who was about to depart. Most of the visitors left shortly after presenting their farewell wishes. Laura's more intimate friends, however, remained until late that night. Laura seemed circumspect and grave. In the crowded living room, she talked with the accounting department representative. I don't believe I'll be staying here more than two days. I've finished my conditioning at the preparation service and at the Ministry of Elucidation. As you see, I'm ready. The official in a fraternal tone spoke encouragingly. Wonderful to return to the physical world in your circumstances. In a community of over a million people, you have thousands and thousands of hours of useful service in your favor. Besides, the children you are leaving here will continue to be your greatest incentive. She answered, We mustn't forget a reincarnation is always an undertaking of the utmost importance. 
I know that my husband has preceded me, and my beloved children will be my constant friends. Yet, come now, don't get caught up in conjecture, Minister Genesius interrupted. We must put up our trust in divine protection and in ourselves. Providence resources are unlimited. We must break the dark glasses through which we see the physical plane as a bitter exile. Sometimes it's only fair for you to count on us, your friends, a little. As far as vibratory distance is concerned, we won't be far away. Think of the joy of helping old friends and of the sublime glory of being useful. Laura smiled and apparently more cheerfully remarked, I have enlisted the spiritual assistance of all my companions so that I may remain mindful of the lessons I have learned here. I realize that the earth is full of divine beauty. It's enough to remember that our sun here is the same one which shines on incarnate people. But I fear the temporary oblivion that involves us like a dark matter. The minister nodded understandingly. We'll help you to work hard for the good of others rather than for self-satisfaction. Remember that the greatest obstacle, now and always, is being caught up in the insidious temptations of selfishness. Laura continued, On earth, our good resolutions are like a flickering flame in an immense sea of aggressive forces. Don't say that, answered the generous minister. You mustn't attach so much importance to the influence of the lower zones. It would be the same as arming the enemy against ourselves. The field of ideas is also a battlefield. You are right. Our mental zone is a constant battlefield. We must chase evil and darkness out of ourselves, dislodging them and not letting them assume the importance that they always claim. Genesius added, Remember, re- remember that within our own individual world, each idea works as if it were a separate entity. When we nourish the elements of good, We work for our own happiness, because they will develop into our defense. On the other hand, when we cultivate any element of evil, we work to construct a secure base for our enemies. The accounting department official remarked, We must remember that Laura is returning to the earth endowed with extraordinary spiritual credit. This very morning, the governor's secretary sent a note to the Ministry of Assistance recommending that the reincarnation experts should take the utmost care in dealing with the genetic background selected to shape our sister's new body. Oh, yes, she said. I asked for it so that I might not be too much affected by the laws of heredity. I have been rather concerned about the blood. And notice, continued the official, that your merit here is great indeed. The governor himself saw to the measures to be taken in your case. For the rest of the evening, the conversation generated confidence and optimism, and the return to Earth was discussed as a blessed opportunity to redeem old debts and learn new lessons. As I took my leave late in the evening, Laura said, I hope to see you again tomorrow evening, Andre. We are holding a little intimate gathering. The Ministry of Communication has promised us a visit from my husband. Although he is already bound by physical ties, he'll be brought here with the aid of some good friends. Furthermore, I'll be saying goodbye to you all, so please be sure to come. Moving on to chapter 48, the home prayer meeting, the next night at the intimate meeting Laura talked about. A spiritist would not be surprised at what I saw in Lysias' home, 
but to me it was a new and interesting experience. Over 30 people were gathered. Comfortable armchairs were placed in rows of 12 in front of a platform. Minister Clarence presided over the ceremony. About 12 feet away stood a large crystal globe, approximately 6 feet tall. Its lower part was wrapped in wires, connecting it to a small apparatus, identical to our loudspeakers. I was sitting beside Nicholas, an old worker at assistance, so I thought I might ask him for some information. He willingly complied. We are now ready, just waiting for the order from communication. Our brother Richard is still in his physical childhood, so it won't be difficult for him to leave his material form for a short time. Will he come here? Andre uh, inquired. Why not? He answered. Not all incarnate men are chained to the earth. There are some incarnate spirits who actually live between two worlds. That, he added, pointing to the equipment, is the cabinet which will show him to us. But why inside the crystal globe? Couldn't he present himself outside of it? Andre asked curiously. We must remember, continued Nicholas, that our emotions can transmit disturbing vibrations. The crystal cabinet is made of insulating material and will protect Richard from our mental energies. Lysias answered a phone call from communication. It was time for the meeting to begin. It was 40 minutes past midnight. Nicholas whispered, Only now is there enough quiet in Richard's new earthly home. The whole house must be in silence and his parents asleep. At this early stage of his life, his spirit is still fairly free, not totally confined to the cradle. Clarence rose and asked for perfect unity of thought and a real fusion of feelings. Clarence offered a simple but moving prayer. Brothers, he said, let us all send Richard our message of love. I saw Laura's daughters and one granddaughter leave the platform and place themselves near the musical instruments. Uh, the rest of the family gathered, uh, composing a family choir. I heard melodious sounds. I felt myself carried to sublime spheres of exalted thought. In a few minutes, mellifluous voices joined in. It was Lysias and his sister singing a marvelous song of their own composition. And on the next page and a half are the lyrics to the song that they compose. As they reached the last words of the song, they noticed that a grayish, milky substance was filling the globe before us. Soon there stood the handsome figure of a middle-aged man. It was Richard. The visitor first addressed himself to his wife and children for a while. Then he requested that we sing the same lovely song once more for him. And he listened to it. As he listened to it, he was moved to tears. How happy I am, he exclaimed. I noticed that the visitor could not speak with ease and apparently had only a short time to stay with us. Probably all the people in the room uh, had a similar impression because Judith, putting her arms around the crystal globe, exclaimed in loving tones, Father dear, say what you want us to do. Let us know how we can help your devoted heart. Richard looked lovingly at his wife and said in low voice, Your mother will soon come to join me, my child. So will you all in time. What else could I wish for to make me happy? Let's ask the Master to bless us forever. We were all moved to tears. When the grayish substance began to form in the globe again, I heard Richard exclaim with emotion, Listen, my children, I have something to ask you from the bottom of my heart. Pray to the Lord 
that I may never on earth have an easy life, so that the light of gratitude and compassion may keep always bright in my spirit. The unexpected petition touched and surprised me at the same time. After a few minutes, the globe returned to its ordinary appearance. Minister Clarence closed the ceremony with a prayer, leaving us all with an indescribable feeling of happiness. As I approached the group to say goodbye to my kind friend and tell her my deep impression and gratitude, someone touched me lightly on the shoulder. It was Clarence who said affably, Listen, Andre, tomorrow I will go with our sister Laura to the physical sphere. If you like, you may come with us to visit your family. I was taken aback, but while my heart leapt with joy, I instantly remembered my work at the chambers. The generous minister, sensing my thoughts, resumed, You have a fair number of extra service hours to your credit. Therefore, Genesius will easily grant you a one-week leave of absence after your first year of active collaboration. Overwhelmed with joy, I thanked him, weeping and laughing at the same time. At last, I was going to see my beloved wife and children again. Scott, any comments on those two chapters as we're moving along here? Sure, lots of things. Um, uh, one is um, the resonance or consonance between the principle of uh, credit hours uh, achieved by you know good works in the astral city uh, and the Buddhist understanding of karmic merit. Um, in Thailand, in other Theravada countries, going to the temple with flowers and some food for the monks or um, offering incense to the Buddha or something uh, is called making merit. And uh, despite any kind of uh, misunderstandings uh, that are common, uh, it's basically the same principle as uh, achieving work credits and merit and uh, hours in the astral city. And that's um, the critical role of good karma in soul evolution. And so it was. it's even to that extent, which we talked about a little before, how with sufficient merit, you can actually uh, have, uh, one, one can be deserving of uh, genetic modification or upgrade of the body that one will be taking in the next incarnation. And that is sometimes the case with children uh, who are more evolved in certain ways than parents, as an example, or souls that are more evolved than their siblings. And there is, you know, there are levels of evolution or degrees of development of the seven chakras or mind, body, spirit, of course. And so, it, it's not unusual when the parents have certain issues or the family has had certain weaknesses genetically or associated with genetics, which include not just physical but also mental tendencies, weakness, or distortion, that a child is born or a soul comes into the family as a child and doesn't have the same kind of problem or issues. Not at all. And how has that been? Because that's a soul with more merit and uh, it has great effect. And so <clears throat> uh, that's just the, that's why there's so much emphasis on work in this astral city, because that's the uh, karmic basis for their harvestability eventually, uh, as well as, of course, uh, more harmonious circumstances in the next uh, incarnation. I was struck 
at the end of page 210, uh, where there's a statement that in a community of over a million people, you have thousands and thousands of hours of useful service in your favor. Um, this astral city, I guess, is a, a million people. It didn't look like that in the movie, but uh, there's also the question of how many astral cities like this there are at that level of the astral plane. Do you remember, Brent, how many they indicated that uh, Earth has of those astral cities? I don't remember the number. No, I don't. As a matter of fact, I don't even remember them addressing the number. I knew that they, they addressed vaguely a number corresponding to um, very major areas around the world and major cities and um, important towns townships, not not so much cities, but not necessarily, because I think Rio de Janeiro, for example, or Sao Paulo would obviously have an astral city of over a million people because of the size, but I think that there might even be smaller ones, too, mm. in other areas, but that was the impression I got, but I don't remember a specific number. Uh -uh. Yeah, well, it's a good, it's also a, a, an open question. Uh, of 7.5 billion human beings, how many go straight to the lower zones <laughs> after that? 20%, 40%, 60%, <laughs> who knows, you know? And so <clears throat> how many thousands of million-plus population astral cities could there be? I guess there would be thousands. Uh, that's an interesting point. The other thing is, uh, there, there are a number of other things. Um, page 211, <clears throat> how, to hand, how to work with um, certain thoughts and... Uh, Laura was getting concerned and uh, saw, you know, this idea of uh, the physical plane as a bitter exile. Uh, from the astral city, it can be felt that way, that it's a bitter exile. Uh, and they're saying, you know, the, the minister Genesius is sort of commenting or, or uh, guiding, giving guidance. Don't think of possibilities of weakness. Visualize only probability of success. Uh don't do this, do this. You know, don't do this, do that. In general, that kind of approach I don't think works for people um, of a certain level of development, meaning what uh, Ron talked about, uh, you know, in terms of the initiation, healing and initiation, particularly of body, how today, in distinction to 3,000 years ago, Humanity needs a little bit is, is now working with something like the 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 balanced use of uh, the body in its natural functions, which is sort of a love wisdom balance love wisdom basis balance in making decisions about how to use one's body, which means you know what to do and what not to do. Uh, where it's not simply like don't do this, do that. It's um, let yourself feel it and accept it and understand it um, without rigidity and with sensitivity to feelings and needs. And some of this approach is not, it's a little heavy handed. Uh, do this, don't do that. Remember this, remember that. Uh, rather than it's okay to let yourself feel pain or scared or discouragement. And I, I, frankly, I think that's much better is to welcome, um, without getting stuck in, hopefully trying not to get stuck in, welcome painful thoughts and feelings and accept it all and understand it all and let it all settle down 
and a, and a more balanced perspective will come after that. And um, I think that that kind of um, approach is a little more sensitive and more appropriate for people who have some familiarity with, with love and wisdom. Uh, the other point is um, you mustn't attach so much importance to the influence of lower zones. Some people that I talk to um, seem over-concerned about the effect of you know, real astral courting, which is a real issue, or negative entities or negative humans. In many ways, just like Ross said, love is the greatest protection. Uh, being centered in um, heartful, open, uh, open-heartedness uh, without aggression to self or other or without avoidance or trying to uh, move out of avoidance and aggression <laughs> or manipulation uh, of process, of personal process, uh, is a loving attitude and the negatives really are only as strong as we're distorted. And that's really important. It's, it's up to us because um, the negatives do as much as they can given how we've not yet healed distortions and blockages. And the importance of the mind, uh, mental zone as a constant battlefield, and then back to this, what I call, kind of heavy-handed approach. We must chase evil and darkness out of ourselves. How do you chase them out? Uh, well, some people get heavy-handed and become very self-aggressive. I'm bad, I'm evil, this evil and darkness, I've got to get it out of myself. Well, there are many ways of doing that with patience and care and wisdom and a gradual leaning towards uh, detachment and a deeper understanding. Uh, so that's interesting. Then there's also the interesting thing of um, the, the infant in the crib, Richard, who was their father in a past life, who appears in this globe um, with his sane mind as the father of the people in the house greeting him while he's a baby in the crib in space-time. It really does work that way. And some people definitely have childhood experiences of being in the astral plane and remember that, or being on other planets or being back home in a higher dimensional planet or group. And uh, the value of crystal technologies uh, applies to the astral plane as well. And um, carry over from past lives also um, is significant to the degree that the person doesn't know him or herself as greater than that. Meaning there's also higher self in play here, right? But nobody's talking about higher self. That's interesting, right? Because this is really a, a Christian community in a sense, or they're all uh, coming out of a Catholic tradition. So they're talking about how great Jesus' mercy is. He's crowned our home circle with tonight's supreme joys. I mean, that, that falls flat to me because it, it, they, are, <laughs> they uh, deserve the credit for the happiness of their camaraderie, not Jesus. Jesus gives you mercy so the people have a happy family and when they're fighting Jesus, what, didn't give his mercy? It's very silly to me. But, you know, some people have that view and um, it seems to help them. But you can see how um, this is not how, wander, how many wanderers think. This is more so how people who think that they're human think. <laughs> and um, these people think that they're human. And um, they think that they're Brazilian. <laughs> and they think that, you know, um, 
the Christian framework of cosmology is cosmology, not seeing that there are many other frames um, from other religions and other traditions and other views that uh, are equally or even more so appro- more so fitting to the metaphysical reality. So there are certain kind of mis- uh, you know certain incompatibilities I think between their approach to their working and and those who are not coming out of this context or are not 3D native folks as uh, most people listening are not. Uh, Brent yeah, I, I do tend to agree with you on that. Going back to the question, you know, talking about the amount of astral cities around around the world, the quality, quantity. It's also, I, I've thought while reading the book all the way through, I've also thought about the variety because obviously, sure, there are probably some other Christian ones, but I think that there are probably, you know, there are obviously Hindu ones and Buddhist ones and, um, you know, um, ones around the Middle East and ones that... Uh, you know, follow you know follow a uh, a different tradition. Uh, you know, probably maybe Protestant ones, or and then maybe even ones that are more just uh, generic um, religious following. That's not so, you know, that is not so following uh, strictly of the Gospels as you're talking about. Such a strong Catholic um, binding. Group, but possibly ones that just say, "Look, you know, we're following the basic tenets. You know, uh, kindness, uh, loving one another, uh, being good, helping, helping each other out. You know, um, the basic goals, the basic um, good. Um, you know, positive. You know, following positive, uh, positive tenets in general. You know, from a from a variety of different sources." You know, mm-hmm. um, at least I would think so, because I think they have to care. Plus, look at also, look, there's probably some that are for um, the Inuits, uh, <laughs> right. uh, the, the Aborigines, right? I mean, right. they all have a place to go. <laughs> right. With, they all have their own beliefs, you know. <laughs> right. And their astral cities um, would um, sort of be based ideologically on the best of their spiritual religious perspectives during incarnation exactly uh i don't know i mean i think there would be some you know uh, ethical humanists among the 3d native folks meaning people who are moral but not spiritualist um but in general it really seems to be the case that most people who have a moral commitment uh, have a correspond have have a um, supporting um, religious spiritualist uh, worldview or perspective that anchors their commitment to morality, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and that's a big difference than wanderers, frankly, because most wanderers, um, many wanderers. That that were born in religious families or families that you know took them to church or synagogue or something, uh, found very quickly the inadequacies, the distortions, the problems in the teaching and the community in those congregations, and um, pulled out of religion to a, a non-denominational spiritual perspective. Certainly, if they you know read the raw material, or if they value you know this kind of metaphysics that we're doing here. Uh, and that that really is a difference than ordinary folks, <laughs> and that's why 
um, anti-religiosity or the New World Order being so secular, so kind of materialist, uh, is really so harmful for most people because they can't really anchor morality without a religious framework. That's just the way it is for 3D Mind, it seems. And I don't mean yeah. to be putting anybody down, but it just seems to be that that's the case, is when a society mm -hmm. turns against religion in toto, in full, um, there's a, a unmooring of individual moral commitment. And um, people then, you know, do their own thing, uh, which I mean, that that's, you know, <laughs> do your own thing is the purpose of, is, is the way of evolution. It, but they're doing their own thing uh, without any cosmology, <laughs> without any religious, spiritual view of, of life and creation and existence and purpose. And then they become immoral or go against morality or, you know, enjoy doing their own thing in ways that hurt themselves and others <laughs> and then uh, get into trouble. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Mm. Um, okay, well, let's see then. Um, let's uh, continue on. Okay, so Andre gets to go home. And uh, chapter 49, returning home on page 220. Like a child led by his benefactors, I arrived in my hometown with the indescribable sensation of a traveler returning home after a long absence. The countryside hadn't changed noticeably. Full of excitement and joy, I no longer noticed Laura's anxious and preoccupied expression. Because remember, Andre had uh, traveled with um, Laura and the caravan to, uh, to back to the earth for her preparation for reincarnation. Um, he said, Andre says, I took my leave of the small caravan, which went on ahead. Clarence embraced me and said, you have a whole week at your disposal. I'll come to see you daily, since I have to return regularly to take care of some problems regarding Laura's reincarnation. If you wish to return to the Astral City, you can do so in my company. Be well, Andre. After a last goodbye to Lysias' devoted mother, I found myself alone, inhaling deeply the air of times past. I didn't waste time examining my surroundings, but quickly made my way through the streets toward my home. My heart beating fast, I approached the large entrance gate. Opposite the front door, gracefully rose the palm tree that Zelia and I had planted on our first wedding anniversary. Intoxicated with joy, I entered the house. I noticed that it was greatly changed. Where was the old Jacaranda wood furniture? And the large picture of our family, where Zelia, myself, and the children had formed such a gracious group. What had happened? Afflicted and anxious, I began to stagger with emotion. I went into the living room where I saw my youngest daughter, now quite a young lady. Almost at the same moment, Zelia came out of our bedroom with a gentleman who at first sight appeared to be a doctor. I shouted my joy with the full strength of my lungs, but the words echoed through the house unheeded. Suddenly, I understood the situation and, disappointed, fell silent. I, I held Zelia in my arms with all the tenderness I had held for so long, but she seemed absolutely insensitive to my caresses. Looking extremely anxious, she asked the gentleman something I could not quite catch. Lowering his voice, he answered, I won't be able to make a sure diagnosis until tomorrow. The pneumonia is presenting serious complications owing to his high blood pressure. 
Dr. Ernest will need the utmost care and absolute rest. Who could Dr. Ernest be, Andre wondered. Oh, doctor, for Lord's sake, save him. I couldn't bear a second widowhood. Zelia wept and wrung her hands, showing acute nervous distress. A thunderbolt couldn't have struck me with greater violence. Another man had taken possession of my home, and my wife had forgotten me. The house was no longer mine. I ran to my room only to find the spacious chamber completely changed. On the bed lay a middle-aged man, clearly in poor state of health. Three dark entities walked to and fro beside him, doing their utmost to aggravate his sufferings. My first instinct was to despise the intruder with all my strength, but I was no longer the same man. The Lord had summoned me to the practice of his doctrine of brotherly love and forgiveness. Although I knew he was surrounded by inferior, inferior entities devoted to evil, I wasn't able to help him immediately. After a few hours of bitter observation and meditation, I returned to the living room where my two daughters sat talking. New surprises followed. The elder had married and carried a little baby in her arms, but what about my son? Where could he be? I came to see you today, mother, said my eldest child, not only to pay Dr. Ernest a little visit, but also because all morning the thought of father hasn't left my mind, and my heart seems to feel his presence it's a feeling I can't define. Zelia answered her with sharp authority. Nonsense. This is the last straw. Word as I am, I still have to put up with your silly attitudes. You must control that old-fashioned sentimentality, my child. I have strictly forbidden any mention of your father in this house. Don't you know how it annoys Ernest? I sold everything that reminded me of the dead past. Even had the wall redecorated. Can't you help me with my efforts? Since my sister came involved, became involved with this darned spiritism, the younger girl added, she has kept her head full of nonsense. Such foolishness, the idea of the dead coming back, is the height of absurdity. I am not expressing religious convictions, she answered, still crying. Is it a crime to remember and miss our father? Don't you have any love in your hearts? Have you no feelings? If father were here, mother, his only son wouldn't be out acting so crazily. Nonsense, Zelia retorted irritably. Each of us must follow the fate assigned by God. Andre is dead. Remember that, and please stop lamenting the irreme irremediable, irre irremediable <laughs> past. I approached my weeping child and dried her tears, uh, murmuring words of comfort and encouragement, which she registered subjectively, and consoling thoughts. Well, now, here was I in quite an unexpected situation. I finally understood why my friends had for so long delayed my visit to my earthly home. Sorrows and disappointments followed in rapid succession. Nothing was left but the faithful heart of one daughter. All the, all the long years of suffering and torment in the dark regions beyond the tomb, even the bewildering agony of the first days after death, had not made me shed such heartbreaking tears. In the evening, Clarence came to see me as he had promised. Seeing how desperate I was, he tried to comfort me with friendly and wise words. I understand your sorrow, but I can't help rejoicing at this splendid opportunity. However, my dear friend, I can't forget the recommendations of Jesus to love God above all things and our neighbor as ourselves. This, when followed, works real miracles of happiness and understanding in our lives. 
I thanked him with emotion and asked for his continued support. Clarence smiled and left, then facing bitter reality absolutely alone in this hour of trial. I began to meditate on the meaning of the gospel's command. Gradually, my thoughts became calmer. Why condemn Zelia's actions? Had I been the, had I been the spouse left alone on earth, would I perhaps have borne the prolonged solitude? Wouldn't I have found a thousand excuses to justify a second marriage? And why hate the poor sick man? Wasn't he also my brother in the house of our Lord? Our home might be an even worse condition if Zelia hadn't accepted his support. It was necessary for me to fight and conquer my ruthless selfishness. My family no longer consisted of only a wife and three children, but was made up of hundreds of patients in the chamber of rectification. It expanded to include the whole universal community. As I gave myself up to this new trend of thoughts, I felt that true love was beginning to flow from the blessed wounds which had been inflicted on my heart. Well, Scott, quite a turn of events there, you think. Yeah, well, I think that um, I see many instances of the same three, what I what seems to me to be a 3D native basis of morality, basis of self-working or self-development uh, in religion, religious view, religiosity. Uh, many cases, the same kind of thing is shown here. Uh, <clears throat> so Andre, Andre comes in and sees the home uh, and then everything has been changed and they're, everybody's 10 years older. Uh, the approach... Uh, yeah, this this... He said, my first instinct was to despise the intruder with all my strength, meaning the man in his, you know, the man who, who, who's in his wife's bed, who was in his bed. And <clears throat> uh, there are two points there. The first is, you know, continue what I said. He says, the Lord had summoned me to the practice of his doctrine of brotherly love and forgiveness. Okay, well, uh, if you understand um, seven chakras and higher self, um, that that we are a beingness of seven chakras, um, body, mind, spirit, uh, under direction, guidance, under the radiance of, of our greater being, our true nature, also called higher self, then um, there is a, a sort of uh, internalization of what seems to be an external spiritual authority or, or the, ex, the, the complete externalization of spiritual authority associated with human religion. Meaning, uh, what about, you know, is, is God summoning everybody to love? Well, what about the negative path? Actually, it's just not so. <laughs> the original desire is that entities seek and become one. <clears throat> Whose desire? Well, it's the desire of, of the Logos in establishing creation. And <clears throat> seeking and becoming one you know, from the metaphysics, which is really quite advanced of the raw material, there are two paths. <laughs> uh, and even though nearly everyone goes on the positive path, uh, the point is to keep evolving and to externalize the, um, uh, to externalize the responsibility um, into such a 
thought that the Lord, you know, God summons him to love uh, has certain problems. Uh, and in some cases, a, a metaphysical, a more metaphysically aware person who can see the value of religion but, but not be stuck in its confines, meaning the, the dogmatism of much religion, uh, in a certain way replaces higher self for, uh, as a sort of moral authority or the nature of self and path is re substitutes for kind of basic religious doctrine that God wants this and God wants that. You know, praise the Lord, I didn't fall down. Praise the Lord, you know, God took him early, but we don't know why. God has his own ways. Well, you know, I don't think it's really like that, frankly. I don't think that, you know, that there's so much, much, so much more personal authority in the sense of um, personal responsibility, you know? He himself deserves credit for the appreciation of love and forgiveness. God didn't force him or tell him, you've got to go to love and forgiveness. He himself knew that, uh, Dr. Louise. And um, many times uh, you're, you're seeing their kind of... Um, belief that Jesus and God are making evolution happen. And it just is not the case. And I'll go back to that. I just want to pull out to the point that, uh, as was said in, a, in the previous chapters, uh, thoughts are things. Thoughts are, are um, particular, thoughts are a focused force. And good thoughts and bad thoughts have significant consequence materially. And so uh, from thought comes speech and decision or action, decision for speech and behavior, which then sets karmic uh, flow in, in process. Karmic sequence begins, new karmic sequences begin with um, speech and behavior coming out of thought. And um, it's very important not to get stuck in a lower chakra blockage-based thought, distortion thought. Even Dr. Ernst, the, the new husband, uh, has negative entities walking around him. Uh, why? To aggravate his suffering, right? To exploit and take advantage and to intensify his distortions, which would keep him sick or lead him to early death or whatever it is. Uh, and that that's the way it goes. And so... In Buddhism, there's also an understanding that uh, mindfulness or samadhi or uh, equanimity without the production of either good or bad thoughts is even beyond, the, the has greater benefit even than good thoughts. And so then good thoughts bring good entities and bad thoughts bring bad entities or negative or dark or distorted. And, and uh, clarity without production of thought um, is a whole is beyond all of it. Now that doesn't mean that one doesn't have distortions or lower triad blockage, but uh, there is a distinct. You know, in many ways, Buddhism is the middle way between virtue and vice, based on virtue. And so then I'm just jumping to some other points there. Uh, but yeah, uh, if you want benefit or good future, uh, move towards right thought or positively oriented or love wisdom based thought 
because then there'll be less uh, attraction for negative entities. Uh, the next uh, point, how's my time, Brent? Do I have uh, three minutes left or one? Yeah, you got about, yeah, about <laughs> three or four, about four, four minutes is fine. Okay. Um, the mother against the daughter trying to squelch her, uh, her silly spiritualist, her darned spiritism, her head full of nonsense, such foolishness, um... The idea of the dead coming back is the height of absurdity. Oh, really? Oh, really? You know that, right? Right? <laughs> lots of skeptics, lots of atheists, lots of materialists. They're sure they're right. I'm not even sure I'm right. Uh, but they're sure they're right. <laughs> or the politicians who are sure they're virtuous and they're truly helping when they can't even help themselves and many of them go to hell. What a joke. What a joke, Earth Humanity. Uh, and so people are convinced of beliefs that just so happen to be wrong. Uh, and then there are uh, superstitious-minded folks uh, who also concoct uh, spiritual glamour, fantasies, imaginings, and, and are convinced that that's true too. Where's the humility? <laughs> Where's the, the, the recognition that we know very little and there's so much we don't know? It's very rare, actually, with the mentally uh, mental development folks. And so the wife turns against the daughter while the daughter has actually got right view in, in a spiritual perspective. And, and uh, it, it, it goes very deep because <clears throat> her approach to the daughter is, I know this materialist perspective is right. I'm convinced you're a fool you're not in, in absurdity and nonsense. Just stop it. Meanwhile, Andre gets very upset, and he has the same approach to himself. Just stop it. And, uh, and, and you know, there's a lot of heavy-handedness. <laughs> there's a lot, of, a lot of lack of love, right? How much love is there for the mother of the mother for the daughter when the daughter um, actually has a philosophy that the mother has no proof basis is wrong? And then there's Andre, who, um, you know, basically has this sense that uh, he has to remember the recommendations of Jesus to love God above all things and our neighbor as ourselves, or it's even uh, Clarence saying that to him, uh, as the way to get beyond um, his pain and frustration. Uh, and at, on 224, Andre says, it's necessary for me to fight and conquer my ruthless selfishness. Is that some great teaching? I've got to fight and conquer my ruthless selfishness? No, it's a, that's a completely love-wisdom, nor nearly love-wisdom-devoid approach. You're going to fight and conquer your evil, just like the mother fights and beats down the daughter, <laughs> just like people, you know, fight and war for religion. What a stupid group. And so <laughs> no wonder they keep repeating. Even the guys who are getting out of 3D have this sense I've got to fight and conquer my what evil mindedness because what he feels angry and hurt that his mother, that his wife is uh, slept with another man or is remarried of course she would remarry the real point is why did she remarry and he comes to understand that yeah second marriage is natural and she needs it and uh, she's a person so you can see how stuck he was before but the way of getting stuck is associated the way of getting unstuck 
or the way of moving above the lower triad blockage for lots of folks involves further lower triad blockage, meaning fight and conquer this lower triad blockage result, uh, product called ruthless selfishness. But it isn't ruthless selfishness. He's angry? Okay. <laughs> you know, it's such a it's such an unsubtle approach. It's such a ham, it's called ham-fisted, heavy-handed. Ham-fisted, like a big, like your hand is a big ham bone, or a ham hock. Hock. Ham hock. <laughs> Ham-handed, heavy-handed uh, approach by the religionists, by the atheists, and even by the people who are pulling out of lower triad blockage. That's what's going on here. A whole lot of blunt force appro- approach. Uh, the skeptics and atheists are blunt and and convic- convinced that the religionists are are fools. <laughs> there are most re- much religionists who don't even want to look outside their religion because uh, they think everybody else is wrong, or they were told that, or then they latch on to superstition. And then even people who are trying to pull out and pull to love wisdom still have the residue of such aggression and such a ham-handed approach. To working with mind. <laughs> and so there's really no problem for him to sit with his sorrow and his anger and understand it and then see that, you know, maybe one reason she uh, doesn't remember you, Mr. Louise, is because uh, you were, you disappointed her again and again. And so even a year in to the astral city, the afterlife, in his life review and healing, even a year in, he still actually can't take responsibility for being a lousy husband, or at least somehow um, such that the wife now doesn't remember him or doesn't want to think of him. Not just it was painful to lose him, but you know, she's selfish too. And okay, everybody's selfish, more or less, but um, there, there is a sort of a heavy-handed approach in both the guidance that I see given to Dr. Louise from some of the teachers here, and even though they know better, maybe they feel this is the best thing for him. Maybe that, you know, this is what, 3.4, 3.35, you know, whatever. This is middle astral. And things are a little bit different uh, for those of uh, greater love wisdom or 4.56 development. Uh, but there certainly is a lot of blunt force approach. <laughs> done by 3D souls and natives here that we've internalized as well um, that simply doesn't fit uh, our, or at least my understanding of my approach to continued self-transformation. And, um, you know, I'm trying to form my understanding of it in, you know, in, uh, in real time. Uh, so I'm sure if we talk about this more in the future, I can get a little more refined perspective on it. But these things are, um, they sort of stood out to me, how everybody has a sort of blunt and uh, unsophisticated or or a little bit rough approach to each other and and even Dr. Louis' transformation and even the guidance being given to him. Just don't think that, you think this. Don't think this, think that, that's the better way. That just doesn't work for people who are, who have a bigger mind as far as I can tell, a a more spacious mental uh, frame or field in which which experience, in which mental process, mental emotional process occurs. So, Brent, anything on that? 
No, yeah, I, I agree completely. I mean, the one line, um, Zell, Zellia's one line summed it up completely when I read it. Um, you know, typical early, mid, third density attitude, the idea of the dead coming back is the height of absurdity. It's like, you know, the teaching of the opposites. It's like, you know, once you're dead, you're gone. It's like instead of teaching... You know, this is just a, you know, this is an educational learning experience for a short time, and then you go back to the real life. It's the, oh, this is the real life, and then you're dead, and then you're done. So period. Forget it. Right? And then, which just, I think, is a, is a setup, and I'm sure it's probably a setup, but it's probably an, an Orion setup to, um, you know, help uh, further confuse individuals um, behind the veil here as they're trying to learn, you know, um, don't believe in anything. It's all just fantasy. Oh, the dead can't come back to life, you know? And, um, that's it. That's, I think is like you said, is a very typical early 3d religious attitude. Um, and it's sad and it's prevalent. It's very, very prevalent. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And, and, um, they're, they're, the notion that the dead can't come back is uh, based in the notion you are that body that died. That body dying is you dead. Exactly. And, and so that's totally body identification. I am body. Body dies, I die. You are the dead. And that's, you know, there's nearly no comprehension that uh, identity is non-physical. Identity is non-physical. Identity is, is in fact, non-formal. It's undifferentiated. I mean, Lin Chi talking about, you know, mind is one pure, undifferentiated, boundless light. I mean, what is mind? <laughs> what, is, what is self? And that's why even the notion of ego is harmful, because the common folk has the sense, you are body, body dies, you die, baba, it's over. The, the more mental or intellectual folks have the idea, I am ego. They often are materialists too and believe and when I die, I die. But then their approach to even spiritually minded people who are more mental, intellectual, have the view, I am ego. I've got to have a strong ego. I've got to work out against my bad ego. Uh, concretizing by reification, making a, thing, making a concept a thing, believing concept is a thing, uh, crystallizing some sense of a of a substantive or or a separative uh, self that is psychological, <clears throat> that's good or bad. Um, th uh, that itself is a very limiting belief, and so and and many of those people uh, have the view, certainly the the 3D oriented, that um, I die at death too, and so uh, these are really profound distortions and. Thinking that you die at death, <laughs> be based on the idea that the body is you, body dead, you dead, um, is so pernicious. <laughs> it's so harmful, and um, that was one of the purposes of the entire transmission through uh, Francisco Xavier, I believe, which is to help and the purpose of the, the transmission of spiritism to humanity, uh, as well as <laughs> you know raw material and many other teachings is to help wake people up to realize, no, life does not end with the death of the physical body. Sorry, it ain't that way. And there's no proof, uh, but you'll see. 
and moral behavior and um, self-responsibility uh, is critical because you ain't going to get no easy pass and it's all over at the, at the end of the body's term. Uh, but, you know, really, most people, uh, if you ask, you know, it would be an interesting thing to walk down the street or do a survey of friends and family. What's your view on death? Do you believe, yes, I continue, no, I don't, or not sure? It would be very interesting to see that. Uh, oh, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so, anyway, up to, back to you. Okay, yeah. Um, all right, well, let's uh, wrap it up. Shoot, this is Chapter 50, the end of the book, on page 225, uh, entitled A Citizen of Astral City. Uh, I felt terribly tired the second night. I was beginning to realize the value of spiritual nourishment through mutual love and understanding. In the astral city, I could go for several days of active work without ordinary food. The presence of our dear friends, their affection, the absorption of pure elements through the air and water had been enough to refresh me. Here, however, in my earthly home, there was nothing except a battlefield where my loved ones had ceased to be friends. For the first time, I began to understand human needs. I was not Zelia's keeper, but her brother and friend. Likewise, I was not my children's master, but their companion along the road to spiritual enlightenment. I recall Laura's telling me that we should all act like the bees approaching the flowers of life, the memories of the noble souls we have met along the path, and extracting from each the substance of good examples to acquire the honey of wisdom. I decided to take her advice and began by remembering my mother, who had sacrificed herself to return to the earth and adopt those unhappy women as beloved daughters. Similar edifying examples abound in the astral city. Each of my <clears throat> new friends had offered me something useful to help me build up a new mental attitude. I tried to distance myself from the apparent ingratitude I found in my old home. With divine love above all, I put the needs of my fellow man before my own personal sentiments. Though extremely tired, I, I entered the room of a sick man whose condition worsened from, the moment, from moment to moment. Zelia was standing by the bed, holding his head in her arms. In tears, she pleaded, Ernest, Ernest, have pity on me. Don't leave me, my darling. What will become of me if you die? The sick man caressed her hands and managed to answer with intense affection, in spite of the strong dyspnea that affected him. I prayed to the Lord to grant me the strength necessary to be understandable and to consider this couple as my brother and sister. I could see that Zelia and Ernest loved each other deeply, and if I truly wanted to be their brother, I must certainly do everything in my power to help them. I set to work. I began by trying to enlighten the ignorant entities who kept a close link with the patient. My difficulties were enormous, and I felt exhausted. In this emergency, I remembered that Tobias had once told me that not all the inhabitants of the astral city needed an airbus for transportation. Those more evolved could use volatation as a more convenient means. They could also communicate over long distances mind-to-mind -mind, using thought language. Those who are attuned use the process of mental communication and will, regardless of distance. I remember how useful Narcissa's help would be and made up my mind to try. I concentrated, and in the vibrations of a fervent prayer to God, I addressed Narcissa, asking for her help. I told her mentally of my painful experience 
and my great desire to help and pleaded urgently with her not to abandon me. Then the unexpected happened. After some 20 minutes, while I was still concentrated in my prayer, I felt a light touch on my shoulder. It was Narcissa who had answered my call. I've heard your call, my friend, she said, smiling, and here I am. I couldn't have been more happy. The devoted nurse looked around and immediately understood the gravity of the circumstances. We don't have time to waste, she said. She immediately began applying strengthening passes to the patient, raising a barrier between him and the dark entities, who disappeared as if by magic. Then she turned to me and said firmly, we must resort to nature. Man is not the only one to receive and emit fluids. All nature does the same. In our patient's case, we need the trees. They will be a great help to us. Wondering at this new lesson, I followed her in silence. After arriving at a place filled with enormous trees, Narcissa called out to someone with words I couldn't understand. In a few moments, eight spirit entities responded. To my great surprise, I, I saw Narcissa ask them whether there were mango and eucalyptus trees in the neighborhood. Having received the required information from her friends, who were unknown to me, Narcissa turned to me and explained, the brothers who have, just come, who have just come to our aid are ordinary workers in the vegetable kingdom. You see, there is nothing useless in our father's house. Wherever there are those needing instruction, there will also be those willing to teach. Whenever a difficulty arises, providence comes in. The only unfortunate being in the divine creation is the improvident spirit who condemns himself to the abysses of evil. With the emanations of the eucalyptus and mango trees, Narcissa quickly manipulated a certain substance, which we applied to the patient through his ordinary breathing and by absorption through his skin. Ernest improved visibly. Early the next morning, the doctor observed, extremely surprised. What an extraordinary reaction. A real miracle of nature. Zelia was happy, and the house was full of life again. As for myself, I felt great joy in my heart. Deep courage and beautiful hopes reinvigorated me. I recognized that deep down within me, the strong chains of inferiority had been broken forever, and true brotherly love and a sincere wish to serve had taken their place. That same day, I followed Narcissa back to the astral city. For the first time, I tried volatation. In a moment's time, we had covered great distances. I told the generous nurse about the lightness I was feeling, and she explained, in the astral city, a great number of our friends could easily do without the Airbus and go on, about the, uh, go on their own within the areas of our vibratory range. But as the majority have not yet acquired that faculty, we all abstain from using it in the public places. This abstention, however, doesn't impede us from using it outside of town when it is necessary to cover long distances and save time. Instructed by Narcissa, I went to and from between the earthly house and the spiritual city without any great difficulty. I was thus able to intensify the treatment of Ernest, who improved rapidly. Clarence visited me daily and showed himself satisfied with my work. Ernest's health was restored, and the couple, whom I now loved as my brother and sister, were happy again. In the peaceful light of a gorgeous sunset, I left for the astral city totally changed. In those seven short days, I had learned precious practical lessons in understanding and brotherly love. How great is divine providence, I said to myself. How wisely the Almighty plans 
our work and life situations. All of a sudden, something broke my meditation. Over 200 of my companions were coming in my direction. They greeted me joyously, giving me a generous welcome. Taken by surprise, I was at a loss and did not know what to do. It was then that Minister Clarence came forward, holding out his hand. Andre, until now you have been my pupil in this city. Today, in the name of the governor, I declare you a citizen of the astral city. Why such magnanimity when my triumph was so small? I couldn't hold back the tears of emotion which choked my voice. Thinking about the wisdom of divine mercy, I threw myself into Clarence's fatherly arms, crying out of gratitude and joy. The end. The end of the book. Scott, what do you think? Um, Yeah, well, it's all very uh, wonderful and interesting. Um, The, you know, the notion of Oh, the the God sent the religious. You know, the, what's the difference between religion and spirituality? In many ways, religion is is God centered, and spirituality is, um, I, I think, uh, what creationally centered, or um, cosmologically centered, or metaphysically <laughs> based. In mm-hmm. that. Um, uh, the nature, you know, self is a being of infinite worth, is not welcomed in religion. God is a being of infinite worth and joy and love and value. Yeah, but you're kind of a sinner, or you're kind of a child. <clears throat> God is your father, or God is your mother. <clears throat> father God, Mother God, and you're a child. And that's his approach to Clarence. Um, and it's true that we have, you know, <laughs> infinite path to go. Um, and um, spiritual grandiosity is a real big problem. But um, it may be that <clears throat> that those who are um, 3D native, and I don't mean it pejoratively, but there really is a difference between wanderers and non-wanderers, okay? That's, you know, if we say wanderer, we mean that everybody else is not a wanderer. There's no better or worse, but there are people who are not wanderers, and they're called 3D natives, or that's one term to use. Okay. Now, <clears throat> the perspective of religion seems to be, I'm a child, I'm a sinner, God is father, mother, and makes all things happen. And all glory to God. Well, can there be some acknowledgement that I got myself into trouble, and I got myself out of trouble? <laughs> and so he, he goes to Clarence like a father... Just as he thinks of himself with a with a deep inferiority complex, and and again a lot of um, the, the real absolutism, like he thought that he's free of selfishness forever. How do you know you're free of something forever? <laughs> I was, uh, <clears throat> what does he say? Um, uh, there was a, anyway somewhere in that he had sort of he he really did pass a test that no doubt. But it wasn't God that made him pass the test, or divine mercy that did it. It was his. He, it, you know, to to his efforts go the glory. To his efforts go the credit that he <clears throat> wanted to move out of the distortion of jealousy, insecurity, inferiority, aggression, and see his uh, wife and the new man as brothers, sisters. <clears throat> that 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 he deserves credit for that. And but but he sort of had the sense that now I'm. Uh, 
you know, now I'm free of selfishness forever or something, or free of inferiority forever. <laughs> oh, really? You know that? Forever? So, people, we should be really careful um, when we make absolutist statements. The other thing that is interesting is um, f the notion of uh, the trees um, providing <clears throat> mango and eucalyptus trees radiatory astral fluids. Fluids means astral force or astral substance. And uh, these were, you know, human beings, I guess, working with the plants. Uh, that was excluded from the movie. The movie showed Andre basically sending love light into the cup of water uh, for the man who was on the bed. It would have been, I think, a whole lot better, but, you know, maybe they got some resistance from the religionists who thought that was pagan. <laughs> to to have a scene where they go to mm, angelics, de, you know, plant devas, or human beings tasked in helping second density plant evolution to facilitate transfer of eucalyptus and mango astral substance fluid light um, for the benefit of the man who was on the bed. They, I guess they thought that was a little too too far for the audience, but it would have been a beautiful scene. Uh, the importance of thought, the importance of, you know, the, the reason that thought is critical is that thought um, represents uh, astral, represents a force of astral substance greater than physical body. And that the astral fluids, or fluids, and thought um are really the causal force that that influences or determines physicality and material conditions and that that is a very straight metaphysical notion that's very important uh <clears throat> so the book ends on a very happy note where he really overcomes he, he really kind of initiate he, he takes an initiation here by himself not due to god's mercy due to the fact that uh, that the teachers timed it that <clears throat> he would have the right to visit the family at just the time that he would be ready to face that test. And previously he might not have been able to, and this was their timing to allow him to go with the maximal potential to face the, chest, the test of jealousy, insecurity, inferiority, selfishness, dot, 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 and, and move back into love. Uh, I think that the main difference, you know, and then I'll go to you, Brent, and we'll do wrap it up, but the main difference between wanderers and non-wanderers, <clears throat> otherwise called 3D names, is that wanderers are coming from dimensions of great love light, having been very settled, centered, um, immersed in deep love, wisdom, uh, for thousands of, of years, or millions, or billions of years before this series of incarnations. Not so with 3D natives. And that's a very big difference. But down here on the ground, without understanding all that, it's very common that wanderers would feel profound angst in the sense that I'm the problem. I'm all screwed up and I can't handle this and I can't do this. <laughs> when the real problem is that they <clears throat> can't reaccess the profound uh, immersion of, of what? Countless lifetimes? Thousands or tens of thousands or millions or even billions of years 
in higher dimensions of profoundly harmonious community and uh, instinctive love light open heart clarity of mind uh, and realize that having lost all that <clears throat> being here <clears throat> in a realm of great confusion and angst and, and aggression and dogmatism um, is the cause of their you know pathology it's the stranger in a strange land and um, being uh, feeling like we've been ripped from heaven and and thrown to hell this kind of thing and you know it's not always exactly like that but for some the pain is that great uh, and so there really is some significant difference between the nat the level of the teaching here and um, what wanders uh, coming from four fifths extensity may already know yet forgotten and and yet of course there are profound lessons and and I think this book is excellent <clears throat> in many many ways <clears throat> and my criticisms or, or objections are very very minor actually because uh, I think this this is why I've, I've determined that I think this book and our reading through is worth three four months of our time here so um, so thank you, Brent, for reading it through and giving your commentary. I appreciate it a lot. Well, thank you very much, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to do so, you know, in your space. I really appreciate it, and uh, and your help, too. I really appreciate your help in um, pulling it together and sharing in the commentary. And um, I, am, I agree with your, just to mention briefly, I agree with your uh, perceptive of the whole thing. I thought that there was, overall, the book was very... Uh, very well done, and that um, although I would like to see a little bit more of a perspective on individual growth, you know, giving credit to individual growth and responsibility and taking responsibility for your own actions, and therefore, once you learn the lessons, uh, Andre realizing that, that once he learned his lessons, that it was him, you know, that yes, he had great teachers, yes, there was perfect timing, but he stood the test. He went through um, everything himself, and um, he's learning. He's learning himself, and he should give himself more. And it's not selfish. It's uh, it's his own personal education and growth, you know. So, um, and I, I I would like to see more of a perspective of that. But I can see written written in the 1930s. You know, they were also catering to a very strongly not not only Christian but Catholic. Um, readership in uh, South America, uh, where he was most popular, and uh, so they kind of had to also, I think, not only write it like that, but I think Andre probably also realized that he had to channel it like that too, because that was his um, his audience base at the at the time. But they managed to wonderfully to get a get across the principles, which of course we can talk about in um, in more detail in future retrospective um, a couple of classes, yeah? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> it seems to me that human religion is a transitional vehicle mm -hmm. um, between animalistic, thoughtless, you know, um, purposeless activity uh, with body-mind or body identification, which is the, the root of animalistic tendency, is body identification uh, between that <clears throat> and um, universal metaphysical truth 
<clears throat> which is uh, non-denominational or trans-denominational, meaning not um, not confined or the possession of any one denomination or religion. Um, and so um, what we see in common between multiple religions and tendencies obviously is morality, the importance of, you know, God is love, and um, the way, the path is love, uh, and yet love needs wisdom and right action, of course. Uh, but a very uh, thick, uh, a very thick field of doctrine, which becomes dogma, which becomes rigidity or rigidified or crystallized often into intolerance and prejudice and all sorts of faults in religion. Uh, but that's necessary for people who um, are a long way from realizing six chakra a higher self, you know, and realizing mm -hmm. that that six chakra higher self is just um, uh, is itself the primary resource. It's not the logos that's intervening. It's the higher self that calls that, that responds to the call as much as it can based on the nature of the calling and our seeking and our karmic process and configuration and all that but but there are a lot of people i guess the idea is that uh, a lot of people would move into arrogance and grandiosity and superiority complex uh <clears throat> if if there was a refocus from god the doer to me and higher self the doer um as the the buck stops here the buck stops with atman and the conscious mind much sure, much well, more transfer, than the logos. Yeah. Well, yeah, you transfer the power from you know the 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 power is no longer in the priest or the leader of the religion, but in the individual of taking responsibility <clears throat> for their their actions and their growth with guidance, right? right? And they don't want that because they they don't want to give up the power. Right. Well, you have the transition. You know, God. Uh, the priests are like the intermediaries between God and and the person. Mm. Uh, that actually, um, you know, obviously, as you say, has been manipulated or co-opted by many selfish humans in religion uh, as a as a means of aggrandizing power and disempowering the followers. Mm -hmm. uh, the traditions that have some view, there's some views like, you are all priests, this kind of thing, uh, itself is a transitional teaching uh, in the sense that it's, it's in the way of internalizing responsibility. And that's important to internalize responsibility, just like we're saying. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, the, 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 when we have a kind of cringe effect response to uh, the religious overlay or the religious perspective here in this book or, or when we hear people talking, I think we can understand that um, it's a transitional crutch. <laughs> it's, um, it's a transitional vehicle um, that can become a dependency crutch attachment and source of problem, but not necessarily. Um, for people who are coming to realize, um, th you know, that, that you determine your own evolution, not, not God and providence, but God and providence will support you as much as your, 
you know, continuing to seek and um, doing good works and doing good for all. So, uh, likewise, this whole book is uh, like the that astral plane. The astral city was understood as a transitional point, actually, and so. Mm -hmm. Uh, everywhere we are could be seen as transitional uh, between where we were and where we're going but particularly the middle astral plane and then this middle astral teaching basis for mainly 3D natives who are seeking to get really settled on the positive path <clears throat> um, and, and the religiosity of, of the view from both the, the teachers and Dr. Louise and the other people there, uh, is itself transitional uh, to a more universalist uh, metaphysics, I, I'd say. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think so, too. Yeah. Uh, any final questions or comments or points you'd like to make, and then we'll close for today? No, I'm, um, I think we covered it quite well. Thank you very much, and I think we can uh, continue on, as I mentioned in the future classes um, with uh, commentary and discussion in more detail of uh, some of the finer points of the book, definitely. Okay. And so next week, uh, Brent won't be here, uh, and I will lead the discussion and presentation of comments on the book. Then Brent will come back, and he will lead in the sense of uh, presenting his perspectives on various topics and the book as a whole. Uh, and then uh, we'll probably have a third class. Perhaps we'll have a, another third, a third after that, to wrap it all up. But so we'll have another two or three classes to come. And so, anyway, I want to thank you, Brent, and um, thank everybody for listening. I hope it's been useful. Uh, I think it's a very important document, uh, and uh, with our commentaries that sort of explain the <clears throat> the the framework in which this was presented and the framework of these teachings themselves based in their origin which is mid-astral uh, and the audience which is uh, mainly um, 3D natives who are uh, it seems to me establishing themselves more firmly on the, on the positive path uh, with that uh, framework I think we can see how important this document is and then there really are countless teachings given along the way that that I think uh, I could still learn from learn a lot from too so so thank you everybody uh, please take good care of yourselves see you next time and good night